Thank you. To God be all the glory. Can you all hear me? So, uh, as Pastor Radika said, um, I was asked just recently to uh, give the message tonight. And of course, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. You know, we're used to, uh, as Pastor Radika alluded to, a full course meal. You know, every time um, Pastor Tim gets up here with Pastor Radika. So, uh, just realize that I'm not Pastor Tim. And uh, not Pastor Radika, but we, I believe the Holy Spirit has a word for you. And, uh, and that's what we're here for. We're here for what God has to say to us because he's the only one who can meet every need. And so um, the Lord laid on my heart um, covenant and covenant love. And so um, we're going to talk about covenant love tonight. And um, before we do, uh, I'd like to open up in prayer and give this to the Holy Spirit and uh, acknowledge uh, him first and our pastors, our leaders, our shepherds here, pastors Tim and Radika and uh, their family and um, who do just a wonderful job uh, shepherding the flock here and, uh, and all of you who are so faithful and uh, coming to get this word because we know that we need God. We depend on his word and we need it. So uh, my plan and my expectation for tonight is to deliver what God has for you. Um, with that said, we're going to go to God in prayer before we open up, okay? Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this opportunity to deliver your word. And Holy Spirit, I ask, speak. Speak through uh, me and deliver your word. Let your word lay firmly on the hearts of your people that our minds uh, be conformed and transformed, oh God, in Jesus' name. And we pray now, Lord God, that you reach each and every person here, for it's not by power, not by might, but by your word, and your word is spirit and in his life. And we thank you for it, and to you alone be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, covenant love. So, we have a few scriptures um, that we're going to cover, and then some others that we're going to use uh, in this um, not so much discussion, but if you will, uh, getting understanding. Because when we think of covenant, we have to remember that covenant involves conditions, it involves exchanges, it involves promises, it involves provision, but we don't want to forget that it involved a person. Covenant and covenant love involves not only a person, but it involved a body. It involved someone who could satisfy every condition that would be necessary for you and I to enter into covenant with God. And so as we talk about covenant love, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to explore a little bit about covenant love and what that means. And we're going to talk about what's law, what's legal, and what's love. Because everything that is lawful is not necessarily legal. 
and vice versa. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because uh, the Bible uh, illustrates that. And we need to know what our legal rights are. We need to know what's lawful. But more importantly, we need to recognize love. Now, um, as we get into this, I want to just touch base on something here uh, on the topic of love. And as we talk about love, we want to talk specifically about sacrificial love. And this is stuff that many of you are already familiar with, but specifically, what is in it? Um, what does love have to do with covenant? And I'd like to look at the and examine uh, relationship, particularly the relationship between a husband and a wife, if you will, as we explore this, uh, because it's different than a relationship between a man and a woman. And to so much, I can say that I've learned about my relationship with God, I've also learned in my relationship with my wife. One thing I've realized is that uh, I came into marriage as a man loving a woman. I had known my wife for years, and, and I thought I knew what love is. And I realized that the Holy Spirit had another plan for our lives. And that plan would involve him. It would involve covenant. We were in covenant, and we both had a covenant relationship with God, but we needed to understand more about that. And we needed to understand love. And so I came into my marriage as a man loving a woman, but I had to be developed into a husband loving his wife. There's an important distinction because we see what love looks like. If we look out, we can read, and we can see impersonations of love. We can see what looks like real love. But, the, but God expects us to love him and to love our neighbor with a special kind of love. And this special kind of love is a sacrificial love. And I didn't quite understand that when I first got married. I, again, I came into marriage as a man loving a woman who I asked to be my wife, but I needed to understand how to be a husband who loves his wife. Now, what does that mean? I had to learn to be sacrificial. I had to learn to serve someone else's needs before my own. But all of that sounds good, and I could do all those things and work hard at it, but if I didn't really love her, that wouldn't mean very much in the long run. So I had to love my wife more than I loved myself. See, we as men, we're, you're, you're born male, but you have to be developed to become or to come into manhood. And that's with God's help. And just as we need help in the natural realm, we need help in the spirit realm to love God. As we examine this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 13, the Bible says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We're not talking about those who God loves. We're talking about those who love God back with the love that he loved them. 
And he says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So one of the things I realize is that to love God, we have to spend time with Holy Spirit. To really love God, because it's easy to say, I love God. I love God. And we don't want to give mental assent to something when it's required that we actually give our heart. God says we're to love him with all of our heart, with all of our inner being. We're to pour out our inner being to him as he's poured out his Holy Spirit to us. And this communion, it requires something. You need something to encourage you in this. We need his son, Jesus. You need something to encourage you to go a little further than you would on your own. As my son is approaching that age and we're encouraging him to look for his wife, you know, I look at him now and I think about the time when he does get married. And, and the expectation I have is that things will change. Some of the things we deal with in the natural now, you know, we, we encourage him, and he's a, he's a wonderful son. He's a wise young man. But you always have more that you expect from your children without trying to put too much pressure on them. But there's something that happens when you give your life to someone else. You get developed because you're willing to give more of yourself than you would oftentimes on your own. And I believe that what God is saying to us is that just as we're expected to give more of ourselves to God. He's given us all he has to give to us. And that's what we have to remember, and that's what we're going to touch on tonight or explore as we talk about covenant love. So we want to juxtapose or compare the new covenant, if you will, with, with the old covenant. And the old covenant is based on your performance, your will, what you've achieved, and it always falls short. But the new covenant is based on what Jesus performed, what he's achieved, and all that he accomplished. And so often, we can take our eyes off of Jesus and focus on ourselves. Once we get good and saved, and I know that's good and saved, but I think most of you know what I mean, you get good and saved, and we can start trying to work when we're supposed to rest in the accomplishment of Jesus. And when we're resting, we're also, also supposed to remember how to love him, how to love him and worship him at his feet. When Martha went to Jesus and said, Jesus, ask Mary to help me. He said, Mar Mary has chose the most important thing. She's got her priority straight. So often we can get busy doing even the works of God when God is saying, spend some time and worship me. Since spend some time at the feet of Jesus. Because every covenant blessing, every promise that we have when we get good and saved involve the work that he did, not any of the work that we've done. 
So we get this new beginning, but this new beginning, this process all starts in him. So as we look at covenant and covenant love, covenant love is sacrificial. And also covenant love involves an exchange. It involves giving something. We're going to look into that just a bit. God said that in his word, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In this relationship that we have, out of this covenant agreement, out of this covenant God has made with man, love someone more than you love yourself and willing to give them the best part of you or all of you is all based on what Jesus already did and all based on what God already did. He's not expecting us to do any more than what he's already done. See, God gave us the best part of himself. The Bible says that everything that was made was made through him. God has nothing, has nothing more, nothing greater to give than his own son. So often we can repeat, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We need to pause and realize he said his only son. He has nothing more to give greater than Jesus himself. All of that to establish a covenant relationship with you and me. I believe there's been a deterioration of, of word, of, of when someone gives you a word, do they really mean it? Uh, when someone shakes your hand, does that mean that it's established? When someone says something, is it, can you count on? Well, God tells us, don't put your trust in men, put your trust in me. In Psalm 118, 8. God loved us more than he loved himself when Jesus went to that cross. If we remember, Jesus said, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So often when we're talking about love, it all comes down to will, what you're willing to do for someone else. And God expects us to get this covenant, get this sacrificial love, so not only can we love him back with the same love that he loved us, but we can love others sacrificially. We think sometimes when God so loved the world, we think about that scripture, I think we need to pause and realize that not only did he give us the best part of himself, not only did he give all that he had, but he gave his son. He gave his son willingly, knowing that he would be separated from his son for your sins and mine. And so when we think about love, we have to first realize that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no greater love than God has to give than his son. What he says in Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 through 27, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And this is the covenant promise, the promise of the new covenant that would be established by Jesus. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a 
give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So God now is establishing what he's going to give, what's going to happen. We're going to have a new heart. We're going to have the Holy Spirit. And he's going to do something. Something's going to happen when we get this new heart and we have his Holy Spirit. He says this, when this happens, a transformation is going to take place and it's going to cause you to do something. He's going to cause you to get close to God. You're going to want to get close to God, not because he has, he's here to punish you. You're going to cause, it's going to cause you to get close to God because he's so good and you remember what he's done. It's going to cause you to want to spend time with him. The Bible says that if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And when we spend time with God, there's a closeness that develops, that intimacy that develops. And the Holy Spirit causes you to walk like God when we enter this covenant relationship and to keep and do what he instructs you to do. And I believe that we think we can do it on our own, but actually, God says you're not expected to do it on your own. I've assigned the Holy Spirit to instruct you, to cause you to move as I expect you to move. And all of this comes out of covenant. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. The law deals with your will. The law deals with your will, not God's will, because the one who knows God's will is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals them to our spirit. All promised in this new covenant. The law deals with your personal achievement. The law deals, the, the grace deals with God's achievement. Our focus is, is not to be on us. It's not to be on us. It's never to be on what we've accomplished for God. Well, I've done this for you, God. It's always focused on what Jesus has done. We don't plan on all the things that I'm going to do for God when I make this amount of money or when I reach this station in life. When God gives us his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit causes you to do with what you have when you can, with what you have right now what you're capable of using right now. The Bible says that, that godliness and contentment is, is of great gain. If we can, we can rest in what we already have and allow the Holy Spirit to use what we already have, there's great gain in that. There's peace in that. Not only does he, is our focus to be on him, he creates the right heart that the Holy Spirit can work with. We need that good ground, that fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to move and to teach and to instruct us. We have to be willing to learn because we have to give up our will for his, just as Jesus gave up his will for the fathers. We have to have a compliant heart. We have to have a yielding heart. We have to have a personal relationship with God. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 23, and it says, and we're not going to, Covered all at this time, he says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God has nothing more to give than Jesus. He gave us the best that he has. The best that he has to give. And not only does he give us the best that he has to give, he gives it with purpose so that we can sit with him in heavenly places. So we can move and have our being in Christ. That we can operate as spirit-filled beings in relationship, in communion with God, and the authority that we have from God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, have no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is good news, people. That is too good. It almost seems too good to be true news. We were gone. We didn't have a hope until Jesus. And not only do we have Jesus, we have a covenant relationship with God. What's his is ours. What's ours, our burdens are now his. And he instructs us one thing. He said, cast your care. It's no longer yours. Jesus took it. When we start carrying these cares, he's saying they don't really belong to you. But that takes training because our minds still remember who we once were. And God says, I don't want you to remember who you once were. I want you to move and have your being in Christ. He paid it all. He didn't pay some of it. He paid it all. And I think sometimes we can, we can start thinking about, well, he did it. He did it then. Well, I remember when Jesus did this for me. He's doing things right now for you. Every promise he made was not only for, for when you got saved. It's for you right now and in the future. This is a newsflash. He knows you're going to mess up, even at your best. Paul said, that which I will to do, I don't do. That which I will not to do, I do. For he himself is our peace, who was made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. More good news. I can remember vividly what it was like before I gave my life to Jesus. I remember there was a wanting, but I remember most the lack of peace. And it wasn't just my external circumstances. They weren't the best, but they certainly weren't the worst. But it wasn't, I just didn't know what peace was. I remember reading Romans 8, 5, and 6, when God says, those who set their minds on things of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, and those who set their minds on the flesh, the things of the flesh, for those who are carnally minded, inherit death, and those who are spirit-minded inherit life and peace. And I was just so focused on peace because it was something I didn't really have. And God has given us peace with himself through Jesus. When we think about peace, shalom, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. And we think about the Shunammite woman when she had lost her son, and she said, it is well. It is shalom. God is saying to his children, shalom. I've given you peace. I've given you covenant peace. It's nothing you have to earn. It's nothing you have to do. You, you get to receive it. Jesus paid for it. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That's good news. Because when we look around, there's not a lot of peace outside. There's a lot of turmoil. Things are moving very fast. It seems like Christmas was just here to me. And it seems like as, as, as things are moving so fast, we almost feel like we have to keep up with it. We can start running with the world instead of resting and having our peace and our being in Christ. It's important that we're encouraged by every promise that God has through Jesus in our covenant relationship. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's amazing. We are members of the household of God. The Bible says you don't have just the keys to the kingdom. You have the keys of the kingdom. You don't just get to go inside. You can go in any room. You have freedom to move around. He says he spares no good gift from his children. The Bible says he who is willing to give his only son, will he not freely give us all things? So God says you can, you can have this. It's yours. You're members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together for a dwelling place of, place of God in the Spirit. The new covenant is so powerful because it is, it is established on better promises by the blood of God's Son. A lot of people die on a cross. Roman crucifixion was well established during that time. You can read about it in the history books. They've, they found relics. They found the nails. But on one of those hung God's son. On one of those pillars 
One of those crosses was the blood of God's son. I think sometimes we can, you know, we can say it so often that we don't really recognize the, the sacrifice that's been made for us. Because if it was your child on a cross and you saw that blood, you would remember it. It would probably be indelibly imprinted in your mind. Do we not think that God remembers what his son did? Not only for him, but for you and me? To set us free? That we wouldn't have to go to hell, that we would have a relationship with him? People don't go to hell because of individual sin. They go to hell because they reject Jesus. He has nothing more that he can offer than the blood of his own son. That was God's blood on that cross. We remember the others that were there. The Bible talks about, but we have to remember Jesus because before he went to that cross, he said to his disciples, remember me. When you take this communion, remember me. Remember my body broken for you. Remember my blood on that cross for you. When the enemy comes to try to attack you, remember me. All of my promises are for you. God is just that good. This new covenant is not only so powerful because it represents better promises established by God's son, it represents heaven's eternal agreement with man. Eternal is not based on what we would think of is in terms of time. It's outside of time. It has no boundaries based on the conditions of man, whether rich or poor, male or female, black or white, brown or beige, Gentile or Jew. It's not based on these. So our focus shouldn't be on what's external around us. It should always be on what God has done for us. We're in covenant relationship with God. The Bible says if God be for you, who can be against you? So if we're looking for agreement, and God is like, I'm in agreement with you as you agree with my word. What more do you want? You can have a million people, whatever these terms are, uh, friending you and what have you, and all of them agree with something you said. Or you can have one eternal God who agrees with you when you agree with what he said. So we get, to, we get to live and have our being in God. Because it was God who sacrificed himself on that cross for us. God came as a man so we could be like him. Not conforming to this world, not focusing on the things of this world, not the temporal things, but the eternal things. We have a covenant with God. 
It has to do with God's agreement in the spirit. People, as we remember the sin debt, the payment for sin debt is a person. The payment for the sin debt is a person. He's God's son. He's Jesus. And so when we remember what God has done for us, it's up to us to remember him. Jesus took care of it all. He said it is finished. Sin debt is paid and it's paid in full. When Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says in John 19.30, he says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, John 19.30. To telestai comes from the verb telio, which means to bring to an end, to complete, or to accomplish. To telestai is the word finished. It's the Greek word for finished. And again, it means to bring to an end, to accomplish, to complete. It's a crucial word because it signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. To telestai is in the perfect tense in Greek. Now, for those of you who are not English majors, I, had to, I need an explanation of what that perfect tense means. It says that's significant because the perfect tense speaks of an action which has been completed in the past with results continuing into the present. So sometimes, and I'm sure many of you know, when, when things are translated to English, they lose a little bit of their meaning. So a lot of scholars, biblical scholars, look at the Greek or look at the Hebrew to get a more complete understanding of what the author meant. In this case, the Holy Spirit. It's different from the past tense, which looks back to an event and says, this happened. The perfect tense adds the idea that this happened and is still in effect today. To tell us that. When Jesus cried out, it's finished, he meant it was finished in the past. It is still finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. That's good news, folks. For many of us who are looking to maintain our hope for tomorrow, despite what we see happening today, we need to remember to tell us that. We need to remember that what God did for us then is present for us today, and it's also present for us tomorrow. This covenant relationship that we have with God is not something for the past. It's for here and it's for now. And all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for you, the believer. John 19. As we look at Jesus and all of this, these promises, we look at not only does 
the last words establish our covenant. But he not only established our covenant, he removed the middle wall of separation between us and the Father so we could enter in. So once the covenant was established, we still needed to get in. We needed to get access to God. The Bible says, for this is eternal life, to know God. And the word know is a closeness, is a oneness. So he took punishment after punishment, stripe after stripe, beating after beating, and died in our place. Conquered death and rose again from the dead and now sits at the right hand of God as the mediator in heaven on our behalf. He paid the ultimate price for our justification before God to give us the gift of righteousness or right standing before God and tore down that wall of separation of sin and would keep us, that would keep us from his love. And there's nothing we can do to negate all that Jesus has done for us. My hope for us tonight is that we can remember Jesus and this covenant love that we have with him. And every covenant promise in him is yes and amen. There's so much more that we can discuss, but my hope is to leave with you to tell us that. It is finished. Every promise in God, every promise, promise in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. There's nothing more that Jesus, that, ha, that, he, that has to be done. It's already done. Our covenant is established. It's up for us to access it and to move in. And this covenant was all established out of God's love. That's a great, great love. It's, a, it's an unimaginable, unimaginable love. But that love is for us, saints. It belongs to you. So if there's any brokenness, any failure, any, anything that's there that doesn't belong in your heart, just realize that Jesus paid it all. That is to tell us that. It is finished. God has given you a new heart and has given you his spirit, and has given you a covenant built on better promises, on the blood of his son Jesus. I hope that's encouraged you and blessed you tonight as we go into, I hope, the rest of this week. And remember, we have a better, prom better covenant built on better promises, all established on the blood of Jesus Christ. So as we conclude tonight, I just want to speak over you and bless you as we head out. Thank all of you for coming out. Thank you for your time. This is good news, folks. God's love is good news. God doesn't want us out here chasing promises. I don't believe he's, he wants us going after those things. He says, but if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. You'll get all that I have. You'll get my son Jesus. You'll get the Holy Spirit. God wants us God wants us close to him. That's good news. That's really good news. I'm glad to have a covenant with God. There are a lot of broken promises, a lot of things that I could focus on, but the good news is that I have a covenant with God. And if he be for us, who can be against us? 
To God be all the glory. Bless you as we end tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and we thank you for your covenant love. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for giving us all of you. And Father, we receive your love for us tonight. Wherever there's any brokenness, we ask that you touch, heal, restore, as we remember Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you tonight. Can we just repeat that? We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for a new heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I bless your people. I speak over them and declare your word. The blessing of Abraham be upon you. May nations serve you. The Lord give you the fatness of the earth, the dew from heaven. And it's all in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.